this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Welcome to Unapologetically Bold, I'm Not Sorry For. If you are a person that is tired of apologizing for being you, you know, the human part of you that sometimes feels like it has to be different at home versus work versus play, the human side that just wants to be hot, humble, open, and transparent about your wants, desires, and uniqueness. If you answered yes, this is for you. Join me, Emily Elrod, as I dive into conversations with amazing guests about what they are not sorry for in creative and loving ways. Let's get started. I am blessed today to have a new friend that I've got to connect via LinkedIn, actually, of all places. Annie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a fun conversation. And people, the listeners, y'all will understand why I have such like affinity for this woman here. Like the work that she does, and I am... As you listen in, if you are in the C-suite and you do not have somebody like Annie on your team, you're missing out. I'm just going to throw that out and we'll go into that a little bit deeper in a, in, in a little bit. Um, but Annie, before we get started, can you just tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Um, I'm Annie Gilbert. I live in Lubbock, Texas, and um, my title is Chief of Staff. And I work at Primitive. We're a digital solutions company. Um, we'll be celebrating 10 years for our company in this October. And so um, I've been here for about two and a half years in this role. And I was the first one to um, come into this role when it was created. And my background is really in education and counseling um, and I'm a licensed counselor as well. And um, so that's that's kind of where I am and what I do. And um, it's, it's a longer story of my my journey and how I got here. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I am today. And I love it. And I think that's the one thing that people are, whenever they see this title before listening in, you'll see, understand why, because your background that you have too, but you are the chief of staff. Like you are the one that helps um, navigate and advocate for others. So um, I guess that is um, a great segue for us to talk about what you are no longer apologizing for. So I love to ask you the the big question. <laughs> Why, what are you not sorry for? I'm not sorry for being your advocate and not your counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that, you know, as I came into this role, I had to set really clear boundaries about from the beginning, Um, knowing that I was bringing this experience and I was equipped to do this role well, um, but I'm not here to be a counselor for our people. Um, And so I could definitely be a resource and I can refer them, um, but I am here to advocate for them, um, to support them and to care for them well. And so I think my my chief of staff title is sometimes an ambiguous title, and a lot of people don't understand what that means or what exactly I do. Um, and I, so I just tell people I'm I'm here to focus on our people and our culture and bring health and value to those things um, and just take care of our people. And so um, I get to do that by being an advocate. Um, and while I'm not their counselor, um, you know, I get to use my resources and my background um, in creative ways in my role here. 
I think that is so important in the aspect that your CEO was wise enough to understand to get somebody that understands humans in the human aspect of the 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 business model. And sometimes I well actually very rarely I ever see this. And I think the important thing is, is whenever you get somebody in the role that understands how humans work, they can help humans understand how to work better and put themselves in environments that thrive. And so I'd love for you to go more in on that, but also about advocating on why it's more important or how it possibly has been more important in the advocating process than just to hear people out. Like you probably still hear people out and use that, but the advocation Mm -hmm. aspect of it. Absolutely. Um, So there's a a couple of caveats really to having someone in this role that make it successful. Um, And you're absolutely right with my CEO, Cade Wilcox. He had a vision for this role. He fought for it um, until they were able to make it happen. And he specifically wanted a counselor in this role um, because he knew that they they would be equipped with the right tools um, Mm -hmm. to do it well and to understand people. Um, In fact, in our first meeting, I remember him saying, I don't need you to know marketing. I don't need you to know development. Like, I just need you to know people. Um, And I was like, great, I can do that. (laughs) I I know people. I I do that well. And so um, he really set me up for success. Um, First of all, in envisioning the role and wanting someone to come and completely focus entirely inwardly on the people and bringing health to um, the culture at Primitive. Um, and then second of all, I have had trust and I've been I've been um, given opportunity um, to really have have authority. And I think if you have someone in the role who listens to people, that's great. But if they can't mm-hmm. do anything with that information, mm-hmm. then it doesn't go anywhere. And it's not really effective in helping those people feel cared for beyond just you know, a sounding board. Um, and so I've had a seat at the leadership table from day one um, and just been been given that trust. Um, and so that leads to that advocacy piece where I'm able to take what people are telling me um, and and bring those concerns and those issues to the decision makers um, and be that, you know, um, that advocate. And so that's been really great. Um, one of the things that I had to do from the beginning as well and be very intentional about is building that trust mm-hmm. so that people will talk to me. And so that's something I can do with my counseling background is is just um, really help people feel comfortable. I can be approachable. Um, I can be confidential. And so sometimes there are things that people bring to me that they don't want to go outside of that conversation. They just need to process and, and say it out loud. Um, and then other times it is a way to get those concerns and issues, you know, to the level where they mm-hmm. can be addressed. And I think that's so important too. the two components that I hear is one is that trust, but action, um, because we know psychological safety. It need, when you need to have a safe space, but you also need to have trust that comes with it, that it is a safe space. And we know from Google's Aristotle study that it did show that like psychological safety is the number one thing for effective teams. And Mm -hmm. so, again, 
if if people don't if if anybody's listening to this and they're like ah the people thing we're still not if you're listening to this let's be real you're probably all people um if you if you went this far listening into my conversations that i've had <laughs> but for the people that probably frustrate you listening in for my listeners um the profit people this is profitable like whenever you focus on your people you will have a amazing return on investment because you're putting them in situations that are not boxed in, but you're allowing them to be creative and innovative. So I'd love to learn more from your aspect. Um, how has this paid off? Because some people are still like, ah, this, this isn't, it won't affect our bottom line, won't fit our profits, you know. Mm -hmm. How has it, if it has for y'all? Absolutely. Um, there has been a huge return on investment. And, and we talk about um, you know, relationship equity and and things that aren't as tangible and measurable, but there are concrete measurements as well in addition to those things. Um, and so, you know, happier um, employees are going to be more productive. They're going to be more devoted to the company. They're going to, um, you know, be healthier. And so there's, there's just tons of ROI in that area. Um, one of the things that I've been able to do is establish our hiring process. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about um, retention, when you think about the right fit, it's so costly when you have high turnover. And so mm -hmm. our turnover, um, our employee turnover has significantly decreased. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we are to a place now a couple of years in having this role to where we are able to say that we we have the right team, we have the right people on the bus, and we have them in the right seats. Um, and that's all happened because we have listened to people, what they want, where they want to grow. Um, we've put a performance review process in place that wasn't here before. And so we're able to actually measure people's performance, give them great feedback. Um, you know, there's a huge return of investment on that as well. And so, um, and really just people love working here. They love the community. They love the team um, and they love what we're about. And so in establishing our core values and really communicating those clearly, documenting them and then walking them out together. Um, it's not that we're just saying we have a great culture. Um, they see it and they, you know, they see us living it out and walking it out and they want to be a part of it. And so that's helped with recruiting really great talent. Um, you know, people are, they're not here for a paycheck. Um, they're here because they want to be a part of something really great. And so I think anyone on our team would tell you that Primitive is mm -hmm. a special place because of this, this environment that we've been able to cultivate really intentionally. And it's not us. It's not just us saying we want this and it happens. It's about every one of our team members who contribute to that and they get on board with the vision and the core values and they make it happen. And there, that's got to be we've got to continue to drive that and then protect our culture um, oh, as we mm -hmm. go. So, um, but I mean, those are just a few examples of some of the, the ways that we've seen it pay off, um, you know, is just, is just by employee retention and, and hiring really great talent in our recruiting process and then hiring even in that process, you know, people who, who fit our culture, who can contribute uniquely to our culture. Um, and, and we've seen it benefit just the health of who we are, um, 
and and grow in our skills and abilities and and productivity um, because people are content and and loving what they get to do and who they get to do it with. I love every bit of that. And you know this and my <laughs> listeners know this too. And there's so much that I love about it. I want to go in like 15 different ways. So I'm trying to like tune this in. <laughs> One thing that I love again is the hiring process. Like that's important beyond measure. Like, and this is what, actually, this is the reason why I left my other uh, corporate job is because they did this thing called workforce optimization. It was all about making sure the money was right. Um, and it was all about money. And so we basically, instead of, they called it optimization. It was actually just reduction. We didn't, we didn't, in my opinion, they really didn't care about people. It was just all about the profits. But what I, I, I tried to pitch to them, and it's the thing I still believe, and I, and I do this with clients, that you wouldn't add people into your company, like you wouldn't adopt somebody new into your family without understanding the basics of how it is. You have to have a temperature check within your current climate to say, hey, can I add this person in? Instead of just saying, oh, we need a warm body because this is overwhelming. Why is that overwhelming? All you're going to do is just put another warm body in there and then they're going to get overwhelmed, burned out, and they're going to leave. And that's the important aspect, too, of whenever in the hiring process, getting the right people in. And that's what I said. You said the bus, like getting the right people in the right seats. How much? And I also want to probably give a caveat to why I think more counselors or um, specifically or people that have the ability for empathy and listening should be a part of that talent acquisition process because many people can give you fronts. And as somebody that coaches and listens and hears a lot, you know how to tell when it's fake or not, mm-hmm. especially the really good ones. So kudos to you for being able to create that, create that model. But the other thing that I love too, is you said protecting it. Mm. That is huge because a lot of people, they have things on the walls We know that they don't do anything with it. Well, then we have people on the walls and then they start doing something with it and we feel good about it, but they never protect it. Whenever the first rough decision comes, they don't use it as a filter based on their values. It's more they go back to the profits and shows their underlying value, the real values. So I'd love to talk to you about that. Like, Mm -hmm. what are some things, boundaries that you're putting in place to, to advocate and protect this, this part of advocating for people? Absolutely. Um, so I think, you know, in talk in talking about the hiring process, that's one way, um, you know, it, being able to identify if someone is putting on a front and saying their things that they're not, you know, just to, to get the job or whatever, um, being able to identify that is so important because if you, if you let someone in um, that can ultimately poison the culture mm-hmm. um, and bring toxicity to it, um, that can just be so dangerous. And so I think that process um, has to just be really intentional, really um, detailed to the point where, you know, you're evaluating from a lot of different perspectives, not just do they have the skill set and the capability. Um, that's not the first thing that we look at. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in on every first interview that we do. And I'm sharing about our culture and what's important to us. And I'm asking questions around that to see if we're aligned and to see, mm-hmm. if, you know, what matters to us matters to this potential um, person that might might come onto our team. Because just to your point, like you said, it's, it's like bringing someone into your family um, and you're not just going to bring anyone in without understanding what they're about 
and knowing and being as certain as possible that they can get on board with with the direction that we're going um, with the same values. Um, and so just knowing that they're going to be able to work well with the team, that they're going to be able to be respectful. Um, and then another way that we really protect our culture, um, in my opinion, just inwardly is we really welcome questions. We really welcome mm-hmm. people to push back. Um, doesn't matter if it's a leader, it doesn't matter, you know, do it respectfully, but we want people to challenge the norm because we're, we have a lot of um, opportunity to be creative and do things in, in innovative ways. And so we want people to challenge the status quo. And if, if something's not working, like we want people to speak up. And so it's taken some time to develop that. Um, because it's really hard. It's really scary, especially if people have been at other companies where that was not allowed. Um, you know, that might put your job in jeopardy. It's hard to change our mindset to like, oh, it's okay to say, no, I really don't have capacity to add another project right now. You know, mm-hmm. it's okay to protect yourself. It's okay to practice really great self-care. We encourage it. We promote that. Um, and so it's, it's been a process of getting people to really feel like they truly have permission to do those things. And now mm-hmm. that we're getting there, we want to continue to push that and promote it and even model it. You know, um, if someone speaks up and pushes back and, or brings a new idea um, and kind of pushes the boundaries of creativity and problem solving, um, we want to praise them for that publicly and we want to make a big deal about it so that other mm-hmm. people will see that and they'll do the same thing. And it, it creates that psychological safety to say it's OK um, to say no. It's OK <laughs> to push back. It's OK to bring new ideas that may seem crazy and out there. Um, and so that's one way that we we really encourage that and just continue to promote um, protecting this this culture and, and our core values. I love that. And it, it almost think makes me think of some people that I've seen where it's like they almost have PTSD from past experiences with employers where they swore up and down to that like this was confidential information. And then it got them fired, like the next day fired. Um, and just how much they were devalued as a human from the situation. And so I think that's so important that one, you you guys, again, if anybody's listening to this action, you guys know my thing is knowledge is not always power. It's wisdom because it's knowledge and action. Like you're putting it to action and the power with that. So that's, again, my major kudos to y'all and your entire team of continuing that and then modeling it. That is the number one thing. Again, I've said this in a few of my podcasts, like fake is done. Like we can't fake anything anymore. Like we're in 2021 after COVID, everybody's like, yeah, like fake's gone. So if you don't model it, it shows your lack of integrity. If you're not integritous, I'm not going to trust you. Mm-hmm. And so you're basically killing that psychological safety. So for for you and for any or I guess my question for you next is for anybody listening in on this, it sounds great. Sometimes it sounds very theoretical at times, mm-hmm. which is so frustrating to me, like, <laughs> What is one thing that they can do today, like a leader listening in? What is one thing that they might can do today to start being an advocate and not exactly just a counselor for people? Absolutely. I think um, where I always start is just taking the time to listen. 
And so um, I cannot tell you how powerful it is. And you know this, but just to reach out and ask someone, whether it's a Slack message or, you know, um, in the office or just ask someone, how are you doing? How are you really doing? And asking not just to check that off your list and feel good about yourself and say, oh, I checked in with someone today, you know, pat on the back. Um, but to really care about the response and the answer and to really give them the space and the safety to answer honestly, um, mm -hmm. it can be so powerful. And so, you know, regularly just having those touch points and those connection points. Um, I think asking great questions is mm -hmm. also so valuable. And so those questions might be, hey, if you could change something about your role, what would it be? Because that identifies some pain points that sometimes people don't even know how to do for themselves or they haven't taken the time to think about it. Um, mm -hmm. But if you ask a, a great question, it can bring out those things and bring them to the surface so that they can be addressed and so you can take action um, and, and advocate for that person by helping them identify, okay, what would make my job better? What would help me right now? Like what's what's a struggle for me right now? Um, and so I think we all need that opportunity to really process through and understand what we need. Um, mm -hmm. And so having someone that asks the right questions and then cares enough to listen to the answer and then what you do with that response is, okay, well, let's problem solve this together. Let's figure out how, how we can work toward a solution um, that will make this more manageable for you. Um, and so I think those are, those are some starting points that don't seem overwhelming. You know, it's actionable. Mm -hmm. It's like, I could do that right now. I could, you know, just go ask someone that maybe haven't checked in with in a while, like, how are you doing? Is there something you need? Um, you know, what's, what's something that I could do to support you better? Um, and so I think those are great questions to start with. And I think that's so important, especially as leaders, if you just start with those and he, understanding too. one thing through my process that I'm a I'm a big, big time people, people like give me energy. But asking those if I do it right, I will be sucked dry. But that's not a bad thing. It means that I'm there to, to actually take the time to listen, to feel and then do something with that information afterwards, because sometimes I, I see that people come with great heart but they, they literally do nothing afterwards. Um, but the curious conversations and the questions are so huge. Um, makes you think of my son yesterday. We do, I've talked about it on the show, but it's called CEO meetings and it's where my kids and our whole family, we do glows and grows. And one of my glows for this past week was my son. He's like, you asked us questions. You didn't tell us what to do. And I'm like, okay. I want to take that as a compliment. Um, <laughs> um, and, and that was just something that for me, I realized that naturally I'm just curious, but that's taken over time and, and understanding that um, these are things that you may have to work at, like get those questions, start memorizing those prompts, start memorizing mm -hmm. just to get the, those, those great questions. What are some of your go-tos? Um, because whenever you're in the heated battle, <laughs> <laughs> They're probably not going to pop up. So right. I think. Um, so I guess that goes to my next question. What are some of your favorite questions? I know you. I know you asked the one a second ago, but what are some of your other ones that it's just like, yeah, these are these are in my cue card. Like every time, these are some of my favorites. So 
You know, I think we tend to want to draw out the problem, which is not a bad thing necessarily. They need to be identified. Some of my favorite questions are, what's something that you've accomplished recently that you're really proud of? What's a project that you're working on that's going really well? And giving people the opportunity to talk about their strengths. Um, you know, I think that's important and that builds confidence and people aren't going to naturally just say, like brag on themselves, you know? So if you can ask a question that gives them permission to do that, I think it's really helpful. Um, and then they, they get to share that out loud and even saying it out loud brings this affirmation of like, I didn't even, I hadn't taken the time to think about what I'm proud of that I've Mm -hmm. done. Um, and that's so important to reflect on that. And so it gives them, you know, opportunity and permission to do those things. So I think the positive questions are important. Um, and then I think, you know, also one thing that I like to do is just kind of check in on how are they feeling supported? Um, that's mm-hmm. something that I can have a direct impact on. And so if they're not feeling supported, if they're not feeling um, equipped to do their jobs well and set up for success, like what needs to change? And so, um, you know, asking them about support, are they feeling like they have what they need? If not, like, let's identify what you don't have and let's get it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think those are really important. Um, and then I, I love asking questions and this is the people person in me, um, completely unrelated to work, because I mm-hmm. think that the best way to build a collaborative culture is to know people and to make them feel known um, because they are going to, that's going to build trust. That's only going to bring good things. Um, And then when I know like something about their family or something about, you know, um, then I can ask and I can check in on those things and, um, and they feel loved, they cared for, they feel known, they feel like what they're doing matters, not just because of their work, but because of who they are as a whole person. Um, and that's something that we tell people often is we will never expect you to just bring your work self to work mm-hmm. because that's not possible. You are a whole person. We want you to bring your whole self to work. Um, and if you've got something hard going on outside of work, um, that's okay. We don't expect you to be able to just leave that part of you outside the door of the office. Um, we know that that's not realistic. And so um, asking them and being in tune with, with how are they doing outside of work? Do they feel like they're maintaining a good work-life balance? Um, uh, I'm a lot of times I have to talk to people about taking more time off. They're not taking enough time off. Um, especially in 2020, a lot of people were like, well, I'm at home anyway, I might as well work. Um, and I'm like, no, you need a break. Um, so how are you managing your time off? How are you like, are you taking enough time off? Um, are great questions to make people feel feel cared for. And it also gives me a sense of, you know, where they are on the wellness scale as mm-hmm. far as, you know, are, are they okay? Or um, do I need to encourage them to maybe take some time? And so those are just some examples of things that I like to get in on. I love that because it's given them a space to actually rest because we know that rest actually you have to have rest to to regrow and to get to the next level, like literally our bodies. That's how it's designed. Um, And so and then the other thing that I love, too, is and listeners, I don't know if you all caught in this, but she asked a lot of what questions. So how the brain really likes it's what questions then to how and why. Why questions are the hardest to answer. So you always start with a what. 
and you flow that down and that just really makes a difference. It really does. And if you're coming at somebody like, why do you not like being here comparative to what is something around here that you may want to change? Like you said, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. those are some things that really somebody can answer one of those easier than the others. So, but ask those curious conversation questions that just pique curiosity and, and get to know people deeper. Like I just love, again, Annie, I love the work that you do. Um, so final two part question. First question, people are apologizing for being an advocate. What would you tell them? I would say that um, we all need advocates. We all need allies. We all need people on our side. Um, And so if you're being an advocate, if you're being one of those people, you might be the only one for that person. And so um, it's definitely not something that you need to apologize for. It's something that we need to celebrate, that we need to understand how to celebrate in our in our society and in our culture as a whole, um, because it's needed. We all need people on our side and on our team that we know are going to support us, that we know are going to help us um, to grow and and accomplish our goals. And so um, it's something to be celebrated for. Amen on that one. And then final part, um, people are very interested about what you do, maybe about primitive and some of the work. How can they connect with you or learn more? Absolutely. So I'm very active on LinkedIn, as you know. Um, And so that's a great way to reach out. I would love for you to connect with me there. Um, I've actually had a lot of conversations with with new connections, um, just sharing stories and sharing ideas. Um, there and uh, our our website is leadwithprimitive.com if you're interested in um, just more about our company and who we are and, and it has a lot of information about our core values um, and I would just love to share and answer questions that anyone has. Awesome well thank you so much for today this is such an amazing conversation and I know the listeners had to get something out of it because I did and I just want to again thank you for being you. Um, And also want to thank your leadership for bringing you in and and seeing being one of these companies that understand that people matter. And and as my father and I've said this on the show, my father taught me how you care for your people reflect in your bank account. Mm. But that's not the reason why we do it. It's just that it's it's an outcome. It's it's an um, alternative from it. It's a it's a benefit. So I appreciate you and thank you for all that listened in and that we'll listen in later. Have an amazing and blessed day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for. If this touched you in any way, please like and subscribe and share with your friends as we continue the message of being unapologetically bold by being hot humans who are humble, open, and transparent. See you next time.